Welcome to the Vital Health Podcast. I'm Jodie Duval and I'm a functional naturopath in Perth, WA. This is a place where you can expand your knowledge on how to optimise your health and realise your full potential. We'll have cutting-edge information with expert guests and having lots of fun along the way. Get ready to be empowered and motivated to reach your higher vitality and find your ultimate potential. Let's go! After I've been immersed intensely in the world of cannabis for over eight months now, creating advanced education for medical professionals and practitioners for prescribing for the Health Optimization Medicine and Practice Organisation. In a country that we still class as illegal, it's been a great pleasure to welcome my first guest of 2021, Eben Britton. Eben shares the history of cannabis, the truth behind cannabis, and how we can use it with the right intentions to seek higher perspective, health, and returning to our true self. Eben is a former American football offensive tackle who plays six seasons in the NFL. Born in New York City and raised in Los Angeles, California, his early years were filled with athletics and art. He fell in love with football and writing, earned a degree in creative writing from the University of Arizona, and in 2009 manifested his childhood dream of becoming a gridiron warrior. His football career provided him with an in-depth, first-hand experience of dealing with the immense pain and trauma which led him to learn and cultivate practices that allowed him to heal and restore. This is what led him to cannabis, and since then he has become an expert on the topic. Cannabis has allowed him to seek hidden truths and bring him back to himself. We hope you enjoy this podcast. We had an amazing time recording it. Enjoy. Hi, Evan. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. It's our first of the year, so you're the, the lucky first guest of the year, and I'm super excited being into all of the cannabis research in the last eight months. I am ecstatic to have you on the show and hear your story and everything that you're doing as well. So welcome. Thank you so much, Jody. I'm, I'm honored to be the first guest of the year. <laughs> so Evan, let's jump straight in and let's, I'll let you give your story and a bit of a rundown of how cannabis became of interest to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can hear me okay, right? I can. Volume's Perfect. Good? Absolutely. Okay, great. Um, well, I played professional football in the NFL, American football, uh, for six years as an offensive lineman, tackle, guard, a little bit of tight end. Um, and what comes with that, what's pretty par for the course, I, I was having a conversation with one of my old mentors, one of my old offensive line mentors, earlier today and he he rattled off the laundry list of injuries that he suffered during his 12-year NFL career Wow! and we were laughing about it because it's really just part of the game you know I had shoulder surgery I had back surgery torn muscles all over my body um, looking back at my career I suffered a handful of concussions had my bell rung a number of times um, you know and that's just part of the game that's part of the nature of football it's part of the mm. nature of collision sports like football is and so going back a little bit I was very blessed to be raised by holistically minded parents uh, my parents were very much of the philosophy food is medicine 
exercise as much as possible, drink plenty of water, use whatever natural means are available before going to a doctor to be prescribed some sort of medication. Mm-hmm. That was just sort of the ethos of our family. And that really translated into my football career, um, especially when I started playing football at the age of 13, my freshman year of high school. And it was really a straight line trajectory from there. Everything I did thought about how I trained, how I ate, how I carried myself was all in alignment to reach this goal of making it to the NFL, of climbing this mountain of football. Um, And with that, God bless my mom, her intuitive uh, instincts kicked into gear and she was dragging my brother and I to yoga classes and getting all sorts of extracurricular work in which really gave me this wonderful foundation of a deep intuitive knowledge of my body, how it works, how it functions. With that, I've always been a very sensitive guy, very intuitive myself. I've always paid great attention to what goes into my body, how it makes me feel, and what it does for me, whether that's food, drink, substances, etc., Um, And I think as athletes, we kind of have that uh, because you're so tapped into the state of your physical well-being. The Mm -hmm. the physical, the mind-body connection is so key as far as your athletic performance goes. So with that, you know, I came to cannabis as many curious teenagers did. I always had felt this sort of gravitational pull towards it. Um, and other plant medicines as well. I remember having these ideas come to me about doing peyote journeys in the desert with groups of people when I was like 16 or 17 years old. Um, And so, and and that that has to do with my lineage and my first American ancestor being a Mm -hmm. witch who came to America in the 1600s, was on trial for witchcraft three times, was a nature worshiper and uh, all sorts of cool mm, background like that, that I've, only, that I've only really come into knowing in the last few years. But it's really given me a lot of context around how I think about the world and how I think about um, things like cannabis and why I had this sort of intuitive curiosity about it. Mm, so I had some, I had some typical cannabis experiences as in my teenage years, very intense, scary experiences that really took me away from it. I really wanted nothing to do with cannabis for a long time until I got to college. And it was after my freshman year of football um, where the season had come to an end. I had redshirted. I was really beat down. Redshirting, if you don't aren't familiar with that. It's basically you sit out for a season, but you do everything with the team, but playing the games. Okay. Uh, As an offensive lineman, that's a good move because it allows you time for your physical body to develop, Mm -hmm. get stronger, get bigger, et cetera. I went from, you know, 260, 6'6", 260 pounds when I reported to the University of Arizona at the age of 17 to you know, six, six, 310 pounds the next year. So that's a lot lot of eating, a lot of weightlifting, (laughs) you know, it's crazy, but, but that is the, um, that's the power of a elite level training program as well. 
But so going back, my first season of college had ended. I felt beat to hell. I was super sore. I was exhausted physically, mentally, emotionally. Being a student athlete is one of the most difficult things you could possibly do. Having to commit to your sport and commit to school, it's super difficult. Yeah. Um, and the season had ended and all of us offensive linemen had gotten together at one of our buddies' houses. We had a bonfire in the backyard and someone had a joint of cannabis and uh, it started being passed around. And I remember smoking it and looking up at the stars, feeling this incredible brotherly connection, this mm -hmm. uh, sort of galvanizing of our brotherhood and what we had just been through. So there's this very spiritual element to it. But the, the real power and my understanding of cannabis as medicine came the following day when I woke up the next morning and I felt so rejuvenated. Physically, I felt like I could go back out and play football again. Like my body felt um, healed. I felt rested. I felt like I had gotten the best sleep of my life in that night. And I thought to myself, man, if we had been up drinking all night, I would feel like shit today. You know, I wouldn't be able to do anything. And so that really planted this seed of cannabis as a healing tool, especially in this super gladiator-driven world that I was really committed to and loved playing football. Mm. Um, so it's very difficult, obviously, to navigate drug tests at the college level. <laughs> so throughout my college career, there wasn't a whole lot more cannabis use. But once I got to the NFL, uh, you, there's really only an annual drug test for cannabis. Cannabis is under what the NFL calls the substance of abuse list. Mm, yeah. And you're tested once a year and you have a general idea of when that test is going to happen. Uh, it's going to happen sometime between when you report to the facility for spring training to about the first week of training camp in August. Um, so you have about a five to six month window when you can be tested for cannabis. And once you have the test, that's it. You can use cannabis or pretty much whatever you want other than performance <laughs> enhancers, which is, you know, that's a whole other conversation of the, the, ludicrous, the ludicrous nature of the NFL's drug testing policy. But um, so you're free to use cannabis as you need it, as you will. Uh, and that's what I did. And really, you know, it wasn't, it, it, it had as much to do with the accepted protocols and my experience with opiates mm -hmm. and pharmaceutical anti-inflammatories like Cataflam, Indocin, Celebrex, these things that wreak havoc on your digestive system, on your liver and kidneys. I mean, very young men, guys I played with are, you know, suffering from kidney failure, liver damage, uh, have all kinds of issues. And it's a direct result of the, the prescription pill protocols that every guy in an NFL locker room is dealing with. I mean, 98% of a guy in an NFL locker room, myself included for a long time, are on a daily regimen of prescription anti-inflammatories. Because you're always injured, yeah. 
Yeah, and you're yeah. just you're sore as hell, and it's yeah. the easiest way to get you out of pain and onto the field to produce, to do mm -hmm. what you have to do to make the team money. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so um, that combined with a number of surgeries I had during my career. I had shoulder surgery my second year in the NFL. At the same time, I was dealing with a herniated disc in my back and oh. extreme sciatic pain down my right leg to the point where my right foot was, I couldn't feel it on the ground. Um, and I was, after surgery for my shoulder, I was given a prescription of Vicodin like you are, like you, you always are, at least in America, that's kind of the way it goes. <laughs> and, you know, I remember feeling so vividly after, you know, one or two days of prescribed usage, waking up with severe withdrawal symptoms, two or three o'clock in the morning, shooting pains in my gut, cold sweats, chills, uh, and couldn't go back to sleep and that's just my body needing more pills just to feed the withdrawal symptoms not even anything to do with the pain really mm -hmm. not to mention that and never really did anything for my pain anyway i found and on top of that it made me extremely emotionally volatile my rage i had like this simmering rage was just on the surface of my being you know i was on a hair trigger mm -hmm. in a in an already vulnerable state where I just had surgery, my mom, and then later on after back surgery, my girlfriend who became my wife, I need them to help me get dressed. I need them to help me with just about everything in my life. And here I am lashing out at them for literally anything. And I found myself going, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? What's happening to me? You know, and Gosh. it was... I, I very, like I said, with that sort of athlete's intuition, I very quickly realized that every time I took these pills, I felt horrible. You know, they mm. made me feel insane. They made me feel totally crazed, the withdrawal symptoms. So very quickly in my career, I, it was about three years mm. of this really feeling the effects of opiates and really understanding in my in myself how these things reacted in my body yeah. so by the time my fourth nfl year came around i was i no longer used opiates it just mm -hmm. i knew they didn't work for me and i became and cannabis really became my preferred source of pain management and healing mm -hmm. and that was really intuitive because like, just as I had been shown through the plant that that fateful night at the end of my first year of college football, you know, throughout my football career, I had this experience of being able to come home from a long day of the grind. I could smoke some cannabis, which, you know, at that time, this is 2009 to 2014, living in Florida in Illinois, you know, all I had access to was a bag of flour, basically, from Straight. the trust from the trusted team dealer, you know, there wasn't all of these fabulous uh, cannabis products that we have now that I have access to living in California. Absolutely. Um, 
but that was better than nothing. And I mm -hmm. could come home, I could smoke some cannabis. I could feel the emotional and physical um, pain, strain, decompress. I felt myself, I was able to relax. I was able to connect with my family members. I was able to get a good night's sleep and wake up feeling recovered and rejuvenated. Mm. And so cannabis really, like I said, it became my preferred source of pain management. I used it pretty frequently. I mean, just about every day that I could, I used cannabis uh, in my NFL career. Mm -hmm. And I believe I came out of my football career in better shape because of it uh, than guys who were unwilling to use it. And so when I retired, I wrote this long article that was published in sportsillustrated.com about my experience dealing with injuries and the prescription pill protocols in the NFL. It had, I talked about a little bit about my cannabis use, and this got a lot of reach. Mm -hmm. um, even to the point where uh, one of my former athletic trainers called me up really pissed off <laughs> about, <laughs> and I said, Hey man, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know, dude, I didn't say, I didn't call you out. I didn't even think this was any of your fault, you know, <laughs> but that speaks more to his insecurity than what I said. Um, so from there, I got connected with one of my all-time, uh, my childhood football heroes, a guy named Kyle Turley, who's really been the tip of the spear in the cannabis for football players movement, um, as far as speaking out about it and really, really getting this idea of cannabis as medicine, especially for to treat traumatic brain injuries and concussions mm -hmm. and BA. Uh, preventative for CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which just about every football player is suffering from or is in danger of suffering from. Yeah. So I got connected with him. He said, hey, hey Eb, I'm hosting a cannabis panel out in Phoenix. I would love for you to come, share your story. I think it would mean a lot. And at the time, I didn't know what I was doing with my life. My identity was completely obliterated, having just left the NFL. Mm -hmm. And so I said, sure, man. I, I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a big fan of yours. I believe in the plant. I don't know exactly what my story will do for anyone out there, but I'm willing to come and share it. So I went to this, this first cannabis conference. It was in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm on a panel with Kyle Turley, Ricky Williams, and Nate Jackson, three guys I have a tremendous amount of respect for, all former NFL players. I finished telling my story, and it's in this room, this conference hall filled with, there must have been 700 to 1,000 people in there. It's still, to this day, the biggest conference I've ever spoken at. Wow. And I've spoken at a lot, you know, it's, it's interesting, mm -hmm. like, for four years, I kind of went on this tour with a bunch of these guys, men and women, who all share this story of cannabis as medicine during or after their playing careers, mm -hmm. which has been really beautiful to connect with this community Absolutely. very holistically minded people. And uh, I finished telling my story and I'm looking around this room and it's, you know, it's cancer survivors, it's military veterans, it's these families with children deeply affected by Dravet syndrome or other severe seizure disorders, 
Um, it's traumatic brain injury survivors, you know, from car crashes and everything else in between. And I'm struck by the breadth, the, the spectrum of people that cannabis has had a benefit, a positive impact on. And as I'm having this realization of how much bigger this is than me and my story, Kyle Turley starts sharing and he immediately opens up with the federal government, American federal government has a patent on cannabinoids as neuroprotectants and antioxidants, patent 6,630,507. And my fucking mind is blown. <laughs> you know, my whole, my whole life, my whole... <laughs> No wonder why. <laughs> yeah, my whole experience has come into a crystal, you know, uh, it's just crystallized in this one moment. And because throughout my football career, I was sort of, I kept my cannabis use very personal and very private. Mm. I was always a captain. I was always a team leader. And so for me to have a coach or even my teammates really find out that I was quote unquote a stoner or something like that was just horrifying to me. So to have my intuitive understanding of what this plant had been doing for me throughout my football career legitimized through a government sanctioned patent on the chemical compounds found in the plant that I use as medicine was just so powerful and it really lit this fire of wanting to learn as much as i could about the plant the science behind it the history behind it really understand what this was and then it further empowered me to speak my truth mm -hmm. you know and then from there then he went into how we all have an endocannabinoid system mm -hmm. and i'm just like what the fuck you know mm -hmm. our whole our bodies are built to interact with this plant. And not only that, but our bodies produce endogenous cannabinoids. Mm -hmm. Anandamide, the bliss molecule, to facilitate all these different processes, our appetite, our mood, how we feel and deal with pain, our sleep rhythms, etc. It's amazing. And I think every day, it seems like at this point, we're finding out something else that the endocannabinoid system is involved in, some other Absolutely. process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so that is really how I came into my cannabis activism, my cannabis advocacy, you know, and so incredible, incredible. Yeah, and, that, and uh, you know, just to round that out, I started a organization called athletes for care with all of these like-minded former pro and collegiate athletes who have all shared a similar story. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's that cannabis helped them during their career, dealing with pain and injuries, or it helped them transition out of their career and has helped them re-identify themselves and find themselves in life after sports. I founded a CBD company, which I've since left, uh, mm -hmm. but it was a great experience and it was just, you know, business happens and that's Absolutely. the way it goes. And that was a big learning experience. And uh, as my, you know, as a guy who, is not very business minded to to get a <laughs> a very first hand masterclass in the, the inner workings of starting a business. So oh, that's tricky. I'm really, you know, I feel 
really blessed and, and I've learned a lot. And uh, every day I feel more and more empowered to speak my truth. And even as I sort of move into other realms of healing, whether that's other plant medicines or meditation or breath work, I seem to be called back to cannabis time and time again, even like in this, to do this interview, this podcast. Mm, so absolutely. So it, it's absolutely. very cool. And it, it's a very big part of my life. That's incredible. I love that because it is so taboo, even though, um, you know, some States of America have it legalized now, which I'll talk about a bit in a minute here, we still, it is very much illegal, unfortunately. Mm. And that's also why I wanted to um, not only study it, but also spread that information wide and clear because it is still t so taboo for so many people. And mm. from just doing the research and, and being involved in the medicine myself, it's incredible. It's a, a nuanced, um, overarching, wide scope medicine that we can use for so, so many different things. And like you say, the research is coming more and more about what we can use it for. So it's just, yeah. It, it just keeps on coming <laughs> and that's yeah. that's that's amazing in itself but with specifically sport you know a lot of people would assume that it would be diminishing in, in performance in mm. you know it would be something that people would need a lot of convincing for so how how have you gone convincing people should i say is it something that has been hard is it something that's been easy or have you had a lot of flack for it in other words <laughs> uh yeah it's interesting that's an interesting question um you know when i started on this thing i felt i had a very strong sense of having completely alienated myself from mm -hmm. my former world. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But what's so interesting, and there was a, there was a huge New York post article posted where I was on the cover of the New York post and the headline was I played stoned. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get any more. <laughs> Yeah, crazy and, than uh, that. Yeah, okay. and I, I woke up uh, to the Twitter windstorm, oh. and um, I was a little bit horrified. You know, I was a little oh. bit horrified because that I felt like that wasn't portrayed properly. Obviously, yeah. media um, tends to do that, don't they? Yeah, the media is <laughs> is the number one is public enemy number one of the people. Um, but but at the same time. You know, since then, I've been, a lot of that has been rectified for me. And what's so interesting is I've had some of my former team doctors reach out to me and say, Ev, I've been following you since you left. Wow. I'm so blown away by what you're doing. I've stopped prescribing opiates to the guys because I see what it does to them now. Wow. I think you're so... You've been so ahead of the curve as far as cannabis and CBD goes. Um, and that's actually how I met Mike Tyson. I was introduced to him through a former team doctor mm -hmm. who said, Eb, uh, 
it looks like you're the tip of the spear in this cannabis for athletes movement. I'd love to introduce you to Mike Tyson. I'm coming out next week to LA to a medical summit being put on by him and his company. And I think you'd be a great fit to just as a relationship with them. And that started this whole thing. I ended up putting on the whole panel for Mike and his team. I brought in a bunch of athletes, neuroscientists, doctors, wow. researchers. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Um, and that was a big full circle moment to have somebody from my past life come in and say and, and acknowledge the work I'd been doing, acknowledge the truth I'd been speaking and really uh, in a positive way. Mm. And that's been the, that has been sort of the, the unfolding of this whole thing is now I've become the guy who everybody comes to to ask about cannabis advice. Where do I start? What's the best way to go about it? How do I do it, et cetera? Mm. And, uh, you know, so it really, if, if there's any lessons in that for me, if there's any lessons in this for me and for anybody, really, it's to speak your truth at all times, no matter the cost, Yeah, you know, because the truth is like gravity, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it's interesting. I posted things on social media about gravity and I've got all the high intellectuals telling me gravity doesn't exist and I'm like well whatever you know and that's cool whatever you call the magnetization of the yeah. universe you know yeah. the thing that you can't avoid mm. you know there are certain things it's it's metaphysical truths mm. the the reality that you know physics time and time again is proving of the unseen nature of this world certain things like cannabis as medicine are one of those truths. You know, it's, it's not something I'm just making up. I'm not, this is not my opinion. This is a scientific reality mm -hmm. um, that is proven more and more. The, the farther we go down this rabbit hole, the more validated we are in the efficacy of it Absolutely. and what it can and can't do. So at first it was really hard, mm. you know, um, obviously I had my community of people, you know, all of these NFL guys, uh, we started athletes for care, which brought in, you know, Olympians and UFC fighters and NBA players and NHL players and rugby players from all wow. around the world. So we had this community and I just kept my focus on that. I kept my focus on my family. I kept my focus on speaking my truth and continuing mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you kind of cross over this boundary. You transcend this, this boundary of being worried about what other people think <laughs> when you feel really empowered in your truth. Absolutely. You know? And that's what that knowledge of the federal patent, uh, cannabinoids as neuroprotectants and antioxidants, you can go look it up. You know, people yeah. listening to this, go Google Absolutely. it right now. Patent 6,630,507. It's right there in black and white ink. And among many others, among many other things that have now been oh, yeah. approved yeah, exactly. and patented. Exactly. So, mm. you know, once you're empowered in, in your truth, it doesn't really matter what anybody says. So 
you know, I got a little bit of flack that day on Twitter. And for the most part, it, it was always really positive. It was really just self-inflicted uh, fear, Yeah. you know, of mm. just thinking, oh, God, you know, my high school coaches, what are they going to think of me now? And in fact, my <laughs> high school coaches adore me more than ever you know, <laughs> to the point where. You know, this year, my, my old high school head coach, who's now the athletic director of the, the school sports program, asked me to come and speak to the kids. Amazing. You know, and it's like, wow, you know, just speak your truth, you know, Absolutely. Come, live from the heart. That's about the best we can do. Absolutely. And these plant medicines, including cannabis, they speak for themselves. Really, that's what yeah. I found. You can't help but listen to what they have to say or pay attention to what they're doing to our bodies when they're interacting, especially cannabis and other plant medicines with the whole of our body, with the receptors, with, with the, the little components of our bodies. We can't deny that. So I think that's pretty important for everyone to understand. Absolutely. Mm. So true. Yeah. So on that, from that flack that you may have gotten now onto this propaganda, this demonizing of cannabis. And I know you talk a lot about this and I wanted to cover it because still here in Australia, people think that there's stoners and those <laughs> weed heads and potheads and all these lovely words that they used to describe it. And I still say to my clients to this day, I say, well, have you tried cannabis? And they look at me like I've just committed a crime. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm work we're working really hard to get it here legalized for use. CBD is now going to be out um, and able to be prescribed by pharmacists next year, which was actually um, this year in February. Um, so we're, we're, we're getting great. there. Yeah, we're getting there, but it's still not, where I believe it should be, especially for pain management, which is a lot of clients that I see need it for. Um, but where did this propaganda start from and, and the demonizing mm. and, and how can we get out of that? And I know, you know America's in a different way than Australia, but I'd mm. be interested to hear your opinion. Well, as far as I can tell, America set the tone for the entire world when it comes to cannabis. Mm -hmm. Um, and certain things they did. And that they really all started with the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937 here in the U.S., which was a guy named Harry Anslinger, who's the head of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, in partnership with William Randolph Hearst, the DuPont family, mm -hmm. and Carnegie Mellon. And what was going down was... A lot of business interests were being affected by the rise of cannabis cultivation and distribution. Mm -hmm. uh, cannabis up until 1937 was a very widely prescribed element of the American pharmacopoeia. You could go to the local drugstore and get all sorts of cannabis tinctures to treat everything from insomnia to impotence and everything mm -hmm. in between. Mm -hmm. There were hashish parlors all throughout New York City um, where you could go and just like a bar nowadays where you could go and get yourself a, a beer, you could go and smoke hashish. Mm -hmm. um, our founding fathers, the, in fact, the American colonies of America, it was mandated that farmers grow hemp to pay Great Britain in taxes with. It was the most valued 
material of the most powerful military group on the planet, the British Navy. This is way back, going back mm -hmm. in the like 16, 1700s. Mm -hmm. And so cannabis has always been a very highly profitable, highly valued crop right up until 1937. William Randolph Hearst had acres and acres of paper trees. And the truth was you could grow an acre of hemp for way cheaper than an acre of trees and you could do a whole lot more with it. So it infringed upon uh, an entire industry that he was involved in. He was the biggest publisher on the planet. And so from his angle, he started uh, an entire propaganda campaign against cannabis, which he then, they, they coined marijuana. Marijuana is actually the term of a, a strain of Mexican tobacco, but they wanted to create this racist fear propaganda and say, Blacks and Mexicans are smoking cannabis, getting high and running through the streets and raping white women. And they created this whole ethos around it, this whole fear ethos around the plant. Um, Carnegie Mellon and DuPont, they were involved in oil and steel and cannabis at the time. Henry Ford was, was starting to build cars out of hemp fibers. And the hemp fibers were more durable, they were lighter, they were stronger than steel and it was easier to produce. So that was infringing on the steel industry. Meanwhile, Harry Anslinger is a racist asshole who was hell bent on control and manipulation of the American population. He was on a power trip. So they came together, they created the 1937 Marijuana Tax Act, which made it illegal to cultivate, distribute, sell cannabis of any kind. But what's interesting about this time period, which isn't, which you have to dig a little bit to find, is that the mayor of New York City at the time, Fiorello LaGuardia, he put together a whole board of doctors, medical professionals to debunk the claims of the Marijuana Tax Act and what they were saying, why they were making it illegal. Because LaGuardia came to these guys and he said, look, I've got 300 pissed off hash parlor owners pounding on my door saying this has just destroyed their entire business. Can we figure out if this is real? And you can go and research the LaGuardia report, mm. which debunks everything that these guys were saying. It's because they said cannabis makes you violent. They did myriad tests on hundreds and hundreds of people and disproved all of those claims. So that was really interesting. Then the war on drugs continued this with Nixon um, and he really used cannabis. That's when cannabis became a schedule one narcotic, which means it has no medical benefit whatsoever. And you can't even research it, which is hilarious because, you know, of the, obviously of the surrounding aspects of this the federal government getting their own patent on it etc but nixon really used cannabis and heroin for the most part weaponized them to tear down his two greatest enemies politically which were the hippies and african-americans mm -hmm. So he used them to throw countless people in jail. 
to do all sorts of things, destroy and destabilize families and homes, etc. So cannabis has been a political tool for a long time, to, to weaponized uh, to control minds, to control the public, to control all aspects of our being. I think, you know, what's really interesting about, you know, hearing you say, you know, all the name calling, all the names that people come up with for cannabis. <laughs> we get to myths later as well on that note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's really interesting, especially in America, and we're seeing it now with our political climate and everything going down today. It's very heavy times here. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Today's an interesting you know, day. Yeah. Uh, and me, honestly, uh, I'm a bit of an anarchist myself. So it's interesting to just watch the whole system crumble mm -hmm. under its own weight. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you know, we're a very judgmental culture. We're a very um, critical culture of people who want to think for themselves, of people who want to go their own way, who believe in in natural healing remedies in particular i think we've Absolutely. seen that all unveiled through the the covid paradigm shift you know mm -hmm. where even health and well-being is now being politically weaponized to divide people and make people think all sorts of insane things Absolutely. Um, so you know i don't know if uh <laughs> you know it's once again it's like standing in your truth standing in your empowered knowing of what's real and what's true and having the knowledge to back up your intuition because to me i'll take a thousand years of anecdotal experience over any test any research study any day you know people have been using the cannabis plant for at least ten thousand years um, for all sorts of things for its medicinal uses for its material uses as clothing as rope as industrial materials um, and so there's a reason for that mm. one of my favorite stories of cannabis origin mythology and i don't even know if it's mythology i kind of tend to believe it mm -hmm. uh one of the other benefits of being raised by by yogis and holistically <laughs> minded people is that i don't really believe anything but uh, by the same token i don't discount anything either you know and so that's really yeah, it's a good way to be yeah it's given me the uh blessing of really freedom of thought you know mm -hmm. and and finding it out for myself and i i don't really believe anything 100 percent unless i've experienced it for myself and even that is never 100 percent. you know we're constantly moving and shifting and i mean this whole universe is in constant flux and flow so Absolutely. how can even us you know something that works for you that worked for you 10 years ago doesn't work for you now mm -hmm. you know? absolutely um but so there was a famous French explorer, his name always escapes me, but he was working his way through West Africa and he came upon the Dogon tribe. Mm. And the Dogon tribe 
are very interesting. They have an annual cannabis festival where they celebrate the day these beings from the Sirius star, the dog star, came down and brought them the cannabis plant. And, the, and they said, this plant will bring you peace. This plant will be your food. This plant will be your clothing. This plant will be your medicine. And this, this, this explorer went to the chief and the chief said, yeah, go up to these, uh, the caves up on the hill and you'll see our entire origin story. Mm -hmm. So he goes up there and there are these super intricate cave paintings that they've done of these meetings with the, Sir the people from the Sirius stars. And they had actually uh, charted where the Sirius stars were. And at the time, I guess we only thought there was one Sirius star, but they had charted how there's, there's two plus another thing, a planet or a star, I can't remember exactly. But they had charted it exactly as it was. And he came down and he said, how did you guys, how do you guys know this? He's like, well, I mean, they told us, we, you know, we're not fucking we didn't make it up you know here it is they gave us the information yeah and so something really interesting about cannabis cannabis means two dogs from the two two dog stars sirius a and b uh brought to the dogon tribe to bring peace and food and medicine to the people so i've always loved that story mm -hmm. and i think that really speaks to the essence of the cannabis plant. It is really here. It truly, you know, no matter how much we try to stigmatize it, demonize it, politicize it, make it illegal, restrict its use, it finds a way to show itself Absolutely. again and again Absolutely. And, and, and come to our rescue, you know, as a species. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I saw an article the other day on some recent discoveries. I think they found, I think, I'm pretty sure this is right. It was 28 million years they found the origins of cannabis in Tibet or near Tibet. 28 million That's years. That's incredible. That's incredible. Of course. So it's amazing. Know, that, that, that many years. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of years. Yeah. I wanted to ask you now, um, talking about ways of administration, ways of mm -hmm. taking what your preferred choice is. We're talking, um, you know, mixtures. We're talking um, isolates. We're talking all sorts of different ways you can take cannabis. What's your preferred method? What you, what have you found out in your use, and what do you normally? not recommend, but also um, talk with people about to, for specifically sport use, but also others? Um, well, <laughs> I don't recommend <laughs> this, but my preferred, my preferred usage is smoking it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's always been my preferred use. Vaping um, or smoking? Smoking. Okay. Like rolling up a joint. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy the ceremonial aspect of that. I enjoy, mm -hmm. I feel as though I get the most out of the plant in that form. Mm -hmm. I have never, as an athlete, I've never had issues with lung capacity or my breathing. But, you know, I know that's not for everyone. And I know that as 
as a healing modality, that's not necessarily the most effective thing to suggest to people. So I don't recommend that, but that is my preferred uh, way to consume it. That being said, I always, I have really come to love tinctures, mm-hmm. oil, yeah. uh, high quality MCT oil that's infused with CBD and THC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I usually like a one-to-one, but I found that up to an eight-to-one ratio CBD to THC is super effective for managing inflammation and any pain that I might be dealing with. It's also... I use uh, CBD in my coffee mm-hmm. in the morning. I think mm-hmm. CBD mixed with caffeine, it's like a rocket so ship to clarity. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> so uh, tinctures, I also really like when I can get them when they're available, CBD capsules. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of just supplementing CBD, taking it all the time. It's, I believe that CBD should be used you know, just as any other vitamin. Mm-hmm. It's super important for our overall well-being. Yeah. Uh, I definitely feel much clearer, uh, much lighter when I use CBD. Mm-hmm. Uh, THC, though, is super medicinal as well. I mean, as you know, THC is the thing, especially for people who have suffered concussions and brain injuries. THC is the thing that really goes into the brain and cleans up all of those, all that amyloid plaque and the, and the things that all that crusty shit that develops in our brain, you know, over time due to the cascade (laughs) of hormonal response. Anytime you, you deal with a concussion or, or a brain injury. Um, So THC is super medicinal and you know, that early on, athletes i feel love to really stick to the cbd uh advocacy because that's just sort of easier to deal with since you can say oh it doesn't get you high but at the same time you know there's there's a very medicinal aspect to getting high you know it's uh it's a it's okay to laugh and feel good when you're in pain Mm -hmm. you know and i think that you know, being high has been very stigmatized. Absolutely. And it's almost like we're scared of it in yeah, um, exactly. our current culture. Yeah. We haven't had experience like they did in other cultures where they were getting medicinal plant medicines all the time yeah. and used to yeah. that experience. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, that goes to my next point, which is most of the people I've met who have had a bad trip or had a bad experience when being high it's usually because they're being shown something in themselves that they are unwilling to accept, you know, and, and that's the case with all plant medicine. I mean, that's what it does. Absolutely. It it takes us to the depths of ourselves and, you know, it's our job to let it go, breathe through it and recognize it, or, you know, you can fight against it and have a really difficult time. Mm, absolutely. It's one thing that's always been the scariest thing that I've ever gone through was an ayahuasca ceremony. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The best and the scariest at the same time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Teaches you quick that one. Oh, yep. boy. <laughs> so, so some of these preferred methods, and I like to say this because I think the combination of the CBD and the THC plus the other cannabinoids, which 
Uh-huh. You know, there's so many. There's Delta 8 that they're discovering, CBN, CBGs. There's yeah. so many, so many that are coming through the literature now and, and being proven to be working in many different ways on the body. But I still, even from my research, I've seen that the, the combination of all of them together in a whole plant form is really, you can't top that. And that's the way it's Definitely. been designed and grown and, and for us to be using. Um, so I think, you know, smoking it or vaping it or taking the whole plant extract, I would, I would always say is far better than any other form. But then obviously there's those medicinal parts as well, like you say, the CBD every day without getting high. So that's then uh-huh. that, that option. So. Absolutely. Well, when I take the CBD, I'm always looking for a whole plant extract too. So that's yeah. a great point. I mean, that is very important and I believe in that as well. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I always think is worth mentioning is I eat a lot of hemp seeds. Yeah. You know, they're super nutritious. They got a full protein profile. It's, you know, it's good stuff. I mean, the plant has so much to offer Absolutely. in all of its aspects. Absolutely. I wanted to touch on quickly just about myths. And I know one of the main myths is um, IQ or memory loss is very common. Um, mm. Have you? I'm not sure what the most common myth that you've heard coming through or you've been asked. Yeah, I mean, cannabis makes you dumb. Yeah. Yeah, lowers your IQ. It, uh, it affects your short-term memory mm-hmm. significantly. Uh, makes you lazy. That's mm-hmm. a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, or unmotivated. You know, or unmotivated. Mm-hmm. You know, and that all comes down to you at the end Absolutely. of the day. You know, Absolutely. even through, uh, it's been interesting. I mean, in America specifically, uh, a lot of the people who have been speaking out against lockdowns keep saying, um, well, yeah, the powers that be just wants you sitting on the couch watching TV, smoking pot all day. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa dude. Whoa. Where did pot are come you, into this? <laughs> why are you bringing the pot smokers into this, man? You know? Like, that has nothing to do with it. Oh, it's like, die I, hard, I, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, I'm against the lockdowns as much as anybody. But at the same time, you know, the cannabis users are probably the most free thing some of the most free thinking people we have in this country and you know some of the most successful most powerful people i've met in my life are usually cannabis users Mm -hmm. so i think there's something to that and throughout history it's been the same you Mm -hmm. know george washington grew it thomas jefferson spent years in france as a diplomat uh enjoying many hashish parlors there which inspired him to bring the idea to america when he came back so i mean all of the greatest thinkers throughout history have been cannabis and or plant medicine users Absolutely. You know, it's, it's extremely effective in its ability to free the mind from the structures of culture mm. i think that's extremely valuable Um, And also, I mean, one of my favorite things to, one of my favorite times to use cannabis is before workout. So it's never been, it's never had that effect on me. That's all, that all has to do with the individual user, you know, and obviously like anything else, it can be abused and used in a negative way where it shuts you down and disconnects you from yourself. Of course, we all have things that we go to, to escape 
our pain, uh, difficult times, the things we don't want to look at. And cannabis can definitely be used in that way as well. Mm. And I think a lot goes to say with the literature there is that, um, or even people's experiences is that it's the chicken and the egg scenario. Like what came first? Was it the the bad behaviours or the bad thoughts and then the use of cannabis and then that just perpetuated or was it the other way around and they still can't say that, they still can't prove that because it's the type yeah. of person that's going to be using it is the addictor. Yes. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Yeah, it's, I think a lot of people don't actually realise that when they're using these latent words of pothead and you know, the person uh-huh. may have been unmotivated to start with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it all has to do with, you know, I'm fascinated by... by a lot a lot of things in our culture here in america specifically i'm not sure if australia is the same in this way but you know you turn on the tv especially watching a football game on sunday and it's 75 percent, if not more ads for pharmaceuticals a pill for this and that and all sorts of things you know and it's really we've created this through the through what I believe is the pharmaceutical paradigm is that, you know, whatever it is you're dealing with, it's not your fault. You can take a pill for it. Mm-hmm. You know, when it takes people out of taking responsibility for themselves and their life and it disempowers people, you know, because now it's not about you. It's about all the things out there. There's always something out there to blame everything on. Mm, you know and on top of that you know uh your health and well-being is this body i mean i think jesus said it your body is your temple Mm. you know and it's true like it really matters what you put into it it matters how you take care of it Mm -hmm. even the thoughts you have about yourself how you think about yourself how you think about your life it all really matters Absolutely. You know, and we've been disconnected from that. Mm-hmm. We've been disillusioned with the power of our humanity. Mm. And it's a big issue right now. I think. Huge issue. Huge issue. And I think it's really turning everything around. And we're at a bit of a tip of the spear, as you would say, of what uh-huh. is going to happen next. It's sort of we're on that yep. tipping edge of like, ooh, this is interesting. And I'm fascinated yeah. to be watching it as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. But one of the things that have fascinated me about cannabis all along as from when I was a child, not child, but when I was trying it out as a teenager and one of the most horrible experiences that I had was eating way too much edible cannabis, a chocolate oh, cake yeah. that yeah. we didn't know was there and I was gone for two days out of, out of this uh, world. Um, uh-huh. but, <laughs> but what it does is it slows down time, it slows down thought patterns, it gets you into a different dimension of thought, of, of reality, of... And so in that space, it creates, you know, it's, it, that's what's always just got, gotten me is that, that how it stretches time out and you can mm-hmm. have those extra thoughts and, and um, associations with yourselves or um, ways to think about things very, very differently. Um, and those who don't get that aspect, I think are missing out a lot. And that's where that flow state happens as you've done a lot of creative writing and, you know, back back in the day in university and it's very art, you know, orientated, it gets you into that very beautiful flow even more so. Um, And that's my experience as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, that's kind of, I, I don't know, the, the more I 
learn about myself and the more I let go of things and get clear on my purpose and who I am on this planet, I'm really interested in the unseen. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really interested in the reality behind reality, the supreme reality that we all find ourselves in and cannabis and LSD and DMT and psilocybin. These are all magnificent keys into those, into that dimension Mm -hmm. of what's happening behind all the shit that we just see and take for granted, you know? Absolutely. It makes you live a very much more conscious and aware life when you're here, just having those experiences every so often. Definitely. And it taps you into the true majesty of being a human being. Like, mm-hmm. What a fucking magnificent miracle it is that we are absolutely. You know, it's so crazy. I, oh. I'm I'm struck. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe I've done too many of these things, but I find myself <laughs> in moments. I'm struck by the incredible experience of being human. Mm-hmm. Like all the things in the universe. This thing is fucking unfathomably massive and infinite and eternal. And here we are, we're having this little experience, you know, as a, as a tiny particle of it all. And all the things that we hold on so tightly to and the beliefs we have and how we identify ourselves, it's so funny, you mm. know, mm. because, you know, so and... and yeah, it's really so petty because it's so beautiful. You know, mm. it's so beautiful to just wake up every mo- every morning and breathe and drink a cup of coffee and see the sunshine and hear the birds chirping yeah. and look at the face of your loved ones. You know, we take it so for granted. So much. You know? So much. And, and I it's think just it's such a miracle. Absolutely. I think we need more people feeling this way to be able to have and create the world that we all would like to see really not what's going on at the moment (laughs) yeah but evan i don't want to take too much more of your time but i wanted to finish off on a few things and i wanted to ask you what your major things that you do in your life that are part of your life every day or that you recommend for people tips for wellness health happiness all the stuff that we've just spoken about Are there things in your day every day that you have to include to make that happen? Yep. Yep. I have to meditate. Uh, I meditate for at least 30 minutes a day, first thing in the morning. And then usually I try to get at least another little 10 minute or 20 minute meditation in, in the middle of the day or, or late afternoon. Meditation is key. Meditation has been transformative for me. And I'm talking about very simple mindfulness meditation, sitting, sitting in a chair with a straight spine, closing your eyes and just tuning into either listening to your breath, go in and out of your nose, or if you can, this is a little more advanced, but one of my favorite techniques to use is pretend you put on a pair of invisible headphones and just listen to the sounds that are happening, that are coming into your ears. And it really expedites the process of 
transcending your thoughts mm. and your thoughts are going to come. And for a long time, you know, I was, uh, for a long time, I was like, you know, I'm going to meditate my way out of thinking. I'm not going <laughs> to think anymore, you know, and the truth of the matter is, yeah, your brain is built to think, you know, and thinking is part of the thing. Um, your relationship to your thoughts changes, mm. you know, and your relationship to yourself changes. And so in your meditation practice, you're going to sit there, you're going to get really good. You're going to start to focus in on your breath. And then all of a sudden, some memory is going to float into view or some thought about what you're doing later on in the day is going to float into view. And you might get carried away on that train of thought. You might get carried away for a few minutes and all of a sudden you'll go, Oh fuck. I'm meditating. And that's the moment. That's the moment where you just bring your attention right back to your breath. And you just do that over and over again. And you do that. It might be a thousand times in 10 minutes. And you just keep bringing yourself back to your breath. Keep tuning into your breath. And after you do that, I've, do, I've been meditating now every day for the last four years. And I'm a completely different person than I was four years ago. I'm a completely different person than I was a year ago. Um, and something miraculous begins to happen because your whole life be becomes a meditation mm -hmm. and you start to be in the moment mm -hmm. and you start to transcend all the bullshit that you've been carrying around with yourself for so long, you know, and even in your interactions with loved ones, like I've had myself, I've been sort of awestruck sitting across from my wife having a conversation where I realized for so long I have engaged with her in a way that I'm almost anticipating what she's saying. Mm -hmm. And you, when you come in, when you're communicating with someone through this preconceived lens of relationship you start to do that thing where you take it for granted but then all of a sudden you have this moment where you're like oh my god this is a living breathing human in flux right in front of me and i have no idea what's gonna come out next <laughs> and, I, and you're struck by this once again you have this little instance of being struck by the magic of life so meditation i recommend it to everybody uh beyond anything else i really do I'm always bringing it back to meditation because I think it's so important. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, they say, ah, I don't have time for that. And I was one of those people for a long time. I don't have time. I can't sit and meditate. Fuck that. Mm -hmm. And I really got into it and it started to transform my life in ways I could never have imagined. So meditation is one. Breath work is another thing I do every day. I do a mixture of what people would know as the Wim Hof mm -hmm. technique, which is really, he, he created his whole, the Wim Hof method is all based on this breath work that was innovated, discovered, created by Tibetan monks called Tumo, mm -hmm. which is there, they, they had to use this because they lived up in the Himalayas where, and had to, you know, battle freezing cold temperatures. And so the Tumo breathing 
it energizes you, it heats up your body temperature. Um, it's fantastic, it's great for clarity, it alkalizes your system. There's so much good in it. Uh, but also just really tapping into nose breathing, you know, and everything I do when I work out, I'm always just breathing through in and out through my nose. And mm -hmm. this does so many good things. It's really Incredible. profound. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's a fantastic trainer of your nervous system to keep you grounded in that parasympathetic uh, nervous state. Um, so breath work is another one. And there's a million ways to do that. An app I would recommend is called breath work. And that's breath B R E A T H work W R K. Mm -hmm. It's an unbelievable app. I'm a little disclaimer. I'm doing some work with them, but mm -hmm. I think they're the best out there. I haven't come across anyone who has a breath work app that's as, as convenient as uh, high level. They have all sorts of things, calming breaths, energizing breaths, breaths for focus. They've got all your box breathing techniques. It's fantastic. And they've got little introductions to everything. So I highly recommend that. Awesome. Um, I'll put that in the notes and try it out myself. Yeah, you definitely should, mm. Jody. Uh, mm. And I could even connect you with them because they I think they'd be happy to link into you and your network as well. Amazing. Um, Absolutely. And then the last thing, you know, I would say just be mindful of how you eat. You know, food is critically important to your well-being. I'm not one to uh, subscribe to any specific diet. I believe that food is very personal and there's no one size fits all for anything. I just recommend that you eat whole organic foods, whatever that is, you know, get high quality grass-fed meats if you're into eating meat eat, you know, dark green veggies, uh, stay away from any processed foods. Um, you know, fat is good, I believe. Avocados, nuts, seeds, olive oil, uh, coconuts. I'm a big fan of all of that. I, I, I'm pretty keto myself. Uh, I've had a very, food could be another podcast one day because I've had yeah. a very deep, <laughs> yeah. I've had a very deep personal adventure journey with, with food myself, um, you know, going from having to be 320 plus pounds eating six meals a day to now I eat two meals a day and do intermittent fasting just about every day. So on the last note with food, I highly recommend you try intermittent fasting. I think mm. it's the most, maybe the most powerful tool in your wellness arsenal is to learn how to fast and there are ways to do it that save you time give you more energy give you more productivity have spiritual components to it where you really have a chance to get get in deeper touch with yourself and your emotions and clear out uh old shit that no longer serves you so fasting is something I highly recommend as well. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with everything you've just said. I hear it so many times about meditation, how it's changed people's lives. 
and the way that you say that the thoughts come in and out, it's just that observation. I think it's so important for people to understand that you can't stop those thoughts because that can scare people yeah. off straight away, straight away. Totally. I think a yeah. lot of people come to meditation and they're like, oh, I'm going to stop thinking. Yeah. <laughs> you know? oh, no. Yeah. Uh, knowing, knowing that you're separate from everything and the world still goes on without you uh -huh. that's that's incredible in itself you just realize Absolutely. that you can just be the observer and that's am oh. that's amazing yeah that's it that's it um and intermittent fasting absolutely um it's it's incredible for our longevity and our bodies as well as our mental capacity to just have a break just in itself is just not eating you know not having to know oh what am i going to eat next because that can overtake a lot of people's minds totally yeah definitely absolutely evan i thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom and that is ah, oh, i really really enjoyed this conversation so much and i would love to have a discussion with you about nutrition that that's fascinating as well <laughs> i would love that thank you so much jody i really appreciate it anytime just let me know i'm here Let's amazing. do it. Amazing. Can we finish off, Evan, with just where to find you, where your podcasts are? Because I know you're um, co-host of one and host of another uh, and yep. all your social media, if that's where you want people to contact you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can check out my website, ebenbritton.com, mm -hmm. E-B-E-N-B-R-I-T-T-O-N.com. That houses pretty much everything I do. But social media, Instagram and Twitter, at E-D, as in dog, S, Britain. Those are my three initials and my last name, E-D-S, Britain, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I'm much more um, available or present on Instagram than I am on Twitter, but I, you know, I dabble a little bit. Uh, you can check out my solo podcast the ebb and flow on itunes spotify all podcast platforms um that i do i have a lot of fun with that i i have expert interviews with experts talking about all sorts of things wellness spirituality um very cool topics i've seen you got on there i can't wait to get through them all yeah, it's, I have fun on there. I use that as sort of just a, a, a playground uh, for myself to explore everything mm -hmm. I'm interested in. I also, I pretty frequently, I like to put up a meditation, a guided meditations on there um, and other solo things, sort of how I think about the world. And then finally, I am the co-host of Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson you can find that on YouTube, uh, as well as all the podcast platforms. Amazing. Well, thank you again for sharing all of this amazing knowledge that you have and wisdom. And just from a different perspective, which I, I really, really appreciate. Uh, so thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Jody. Thanks for listening to the Revital Health Podcast. We hope you enjoy this episode. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Revital Health, as well as our website, revitalhealth.com.au, for upcoming podcasts, workshops, and speaking events. Find out about specials happening in the clinic and all the show notes and links mentioned in the podcast. Please remember that this information discussed here is general information and is not intended to diagnose or treat individuals. 
Please speak to your healthcare professional before embarking on any new treatments, lifestyle changes, medicines or supplementation to assess your suitability. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you again soon.